give us a heart to see this God who is ever faithful. Nothing will be lacking in our lives. Nothing will be missing because you are our shepherd. You are our provider. Father, we remember those who are also in financial crisis during this time, people who depend on all kinds of hospitality industries and uh, the, those industries that have been affected by this virus and who are now facing unemployment and maybe financial stress in the next few weeks. We pray that you will, like that God who promises to be faithful, show yourself on their behalf, manifest yourself on their behalf and provide. Even for our own congregation, we pray that during these times, nothing will be lacking because we will see your faithfulness. And so we give these offerings to you. We consecrate them to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's, let's go ahead. And while you're, while you're giving to the Lord, I um, want to share one verse with you. Uh, it's in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3, where um, King David is preparing for the building of the, of the temple. And uh, he announces a, a gathering of uh, offerings on behalf of that new temple that is going to be built. And he says, besides... In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. You know, I've been thinking about uh, David's words. In the King James Version of this passage, it says, Because I have set my affection to the house of my God. In the NIV uh, version, it says, in my devotion to the temple of my God. Because there's a different interpretation. But I love uh, how the King James puts it. Because I have set my affection to the house of my God. And, uh, you know, during these times when our income and, and uh, as a church will probably be affected severely because of the situation that we're facing, it is so important that we... Make a decision, a determination to be very faithful. And I announce that to the people over the internet um, as well. Uh, to be faithful to our church, to this house, which is Congregation Lion of Judah, where you receive from the Lord your blessing, your teaching, where you experience growth spiritually, where your children are blessed. You know, this idea that we give, not only, you know, because we give to the Lord, but we also give because uh, this is where we are set by the Lord. And so there's a sense of loyalty that you need to have during these next few weeks of making sure, you know, if the Lord leads you to give a special offering to offset some of the losses, then by all means do that. You over the internet, I encourage you and us here as well to go to the website leondejuda.org and there you will find in the menu a way to donate. And we have revamped our um, giving capacity. There's a really wonderful platform there available for you to give. The first um, effort would be the hardest because you will have to, if you have not uh, subscribed, if you have not, uh, you know, logged in, you will need to put information like your name and last name and uh, address. If you're giving through a credit card, by the way, very secure, um, but you, you'll need to put information about your credit card and the internet, uh, you know, your um, email address, and a couple of other pieces of data. But once you have done that, 
uh, in the future, you can just give um, in a very easy way. All you have to do is, you know, you sign in. Oh, by the way, you will also need a username and uh, a password. So, you know, this is some of the same procedures that you use when you're doing uh, Apple Pay or when you're, you're doing uh, iTunes or whatever. It really becomes pretty simple. But what that does is that, that that enables you to not be dependent on physical presence at the church to give your tithes and your offerings. And that's, that's going to be really crucial, very useful for us. So if you cannot, if, if you don't have uh, ease with the technology, find somebody who can help you, a relative or even at the church, you know, we would try to be helpful to you as well. You can talk to one of the ushers and if they can't do it, you know, we, they, they should, they would be getting someone to come and help you. We'll find a way. But, um, you know, there to enter into this modality of giving because it's going to be very helpful. And that's one of the things that we are going to be learning and profiting from in this uh, process. So... Again, through the webpage, you can give very, um, you know, faithfully. And again, let's, let's uh, get into this mind frame of I don't want the house of the Lord. I don't want the house of God where I am uh, living and uh, breathing to suffer in any way during this time. And I think if we are active about that, if we are proactive in doing that, then there's no reason for us to be concerned about not being able to meet all of the um, uh, obligations of the church. So um, I encourage you to, to do that, to register and to be able to give uh, through the web page and through our giving platform as well. But now let's turn our face to the Lord in a different way and let's meditate on the Word of God. Let, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray now that you will just take away every care, take away every concern, set our minds on your Word Give us a special capacity to receive from you. And we invoke the peace of your spirit, the wisdom and the intelligence that comes from you, that we might be able to extract from your word maximum benefit, maximum truth, and that that truth will go deeply into the foundations of our being and that we might be able to profit for the time that we are facing from the counsel that comes through your word. So lead us in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to lead your mind to Mark 4, uh, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And uh, the Lord gave me this passage. Actually, I was thinking of preaching on something else. You know, there are so many amazing passages uh, for this time. The Bible is full of counsel when we are in a time of trial or crisis. And, uh, you know, I've been preaching on this God who fights our battles. And uh, I had a passage already, but this passage in particular came to my mind, and it seemed good for us to meditate on it. Uh, who doesn't know about the passage about Jesus calming the storm? Who hasn't read that passage or gained benefit and blessing from it? Jesus calming the storm. And I want to read it, and uh, I want to extract some thoughts uh, for you from that passage. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over onto the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. 
But a furious squall, that is a storm, uh, you know, just a turbulence in the sea. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Uh, they're probably screaming. They're probably a little more dramatic than that. Don't you care if we drown? But Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And then he turned to his disciples. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What an amazing passage and how appropriate for the moment that we are living. I want to point your attention to just several elements here. We see here a crisis. We see in this passage a reaction to that crisis. We see a process as well that uh, the disciples are involved in and that God is involved with the disciples in carrying out. So we see crisis, we see a reaction, we see a process that is taking place, a spiritual process. We also see a presence here that is crucial and that is central uh, to this passage, a presence. We also see a purpose behind all of this situation, and we see a solution. So these are six elements, a crisis, a reaction, a process, a presence, a purpose, a solution are the essential elements of this uh, passage. It says that um, the, the disciples find themselves in a crisis. Jesus has said to them, you know, let's go over to the other side. He's been ministering and preaching to the multitude. He's finished his task. And now it's time to move on to another place. And Jesus says, let's go to the other side. But in the middle of that journey, a crisis erupts. We were just in uh, the, the Sea of Galilee a few days ago. And I, I understand precisely. Our guide gave us an explanation, you know, of how a storm can break. In this, really, it's a lake. It's the Lake of Galilee, a large lake. They call it a sea, but it's a lake. It is surrounded by mountains. You can see it to this day. And sometimes when the wind or a storm uh, breaks, you know, that all of these mountains around, they create a kind of effect that it just increases the, the power of the wind. And it's not necessarily huge waves that come, but the sea becomes uh, just full of turmoil. And yes, waves uh, begin to take place, and it destabilizes what were small boats. And it, the, the destabilizing effect can be such that boats can easily be capsized, or they can become full of water and uh, be swamped. And so this is what's happening here. 
you know, the disciples find themselves in that kind of situation. It's a situation of great frailty. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been in a canoe and, and um, your canoe has capsized. I experienced that nightmarish experience about four years ago. We were in Maine, and I was uh, in a canoe, and I'm no expert in canoes, um, with Mario, one of, one of the members of our congregation. And we were in this lake. It's pretty, a pretty large lake. And, you know, the, just the, the smallest breeze, the, the gentlest breeze started ruffling the waters. It wasn't really any stormy wind or anything like that. And all of a sudden, for these two individuals in a canoe who are no experts in, uh, um, in uh, you know, doing anything in, in uh, water, all of a sudden, the boat started, you know, moving. And one of us, I won't say who it was, <laughs> got, um, you know, moved in a way to kind of balance the boat. And there we were inside, on the water, and the boat turned completely over. And I won't tell you the whole drama. Thankfully, the fact that I'm here will tell you that there was a solution, right? But, you know, we were using uh, our life um, jackets, and that helped a lot, evidently. But at that moment, I'm telling you, we were helpless. All that I had learned in the YMCA about, you know, when a boat capsizes and you're, you know, you're in the water, try to right it up, and it didn't work. The boat was too heavy. It was, the canoe was a little bit bigger than normal. And so there we were, completely frail, completely exposed to uh, the elements. We could have died. By the grace of God, you know, somebody saw us and came over in a boat, a motorboat, and, uh, you know, helped us. But we're in the middle of a pretty large lake. And, um, you know, the crisis of life can come like that. And I thought to myself, being ever the philosopher, even as I was in the water, you know what I was thinking? How um, mundane the moment was, really. You know, it wasn't that we were shot down by a plane or, you know, some huge storm happened. But, you know, our life could have changed in, in a second by, you know, something that, was, that seemed so incredibly mundane. And, uh, you know, that's the way things can happen. One day you wake up, you go out into the street, you get hit by a car, whatever it is, you know. Life is, uh, we're frail. We're frail beings. And crisis will come. You know, um, suffering will come. Jesus said that in the world you shall suffer tribulation. And right now, I'm, I'm suffering tribulation. I'm thirsty. Uh, Sam, would you pass me that water, please, a second? Um, you know, uh, we, can, we can lose our life in a moment. You know, this, this, uh, this culture... It's one of the most sophisticated cultures that has ever existed, capable of producing extraordinary objects, planes that can run and can go from Boston to uh, China without stopping, the size of football fields, um, tanks that can destroy mountains, um, bombs that can just, uh, you know, destroy a city, um, laser beams that can heal an eye or, you know, the technology that we have, the power that this culture has is amazing. And yet, if there's one thing that this experience of the coronavirus teaches us, is that no matter how powerful cultures are, no matter how advanced technology becomes, we are still frail. And we can die in a minute, and all this mighty civilization that has been put together can be erased in a second. You know why? 
is because no matter how many powerful gadgets we surround ourselves with, we are all encased in this very frail body, this very frail nervous system, this very frail biology. The President of the United States, such a powerful man, can disappear in a moment because he is a frail human being. Cultures, no matter how powerful they become, they will always be conditioned by the fact that they are, they are made up of frail living systems that are soft, that are penetrable, that are prone to uh, malfunction. And uh, therefore, we should always understand this frailty. In the world, yes, we shall experience affliction. We shall experience disease. We shall experience uh, family situations that uh, destabilize our life. We will always uh, experience a loss of a job or, or a marital difficulty or whatever. That is the stuff of life. And this is why Jesus said, you know, in the world, you will experience tribulation. We, you will experience uh, affliction. These men in that frail boat in the middle of the sea, tossed by a storm, knew what a crisis was, knew what affliction was at that moment. And so they are terrified. They, they see their life threatened, and rightfully they uh, react to the situation with terror, with fear. And so we see that that's, you know, that's an important element, the fact that you know, there is that crisis. There is a reaction. The reaction is fear. The reaction is terror. The reaction is a sense of total helplessness. As many of us might be experiencing in, our, in this time, you know, you may feel that you just, you don't know what, what's, what's going to happen with this. What's going to happen to my job? Uh, will I contract uh, the virus? You know, your insecurities may be just flaring immensely. People's uh, economy is being threatened. Um, you know, you, many of us are, are seriously affected by this thing. And the tendency is to react with fear. The tendency is to react with... Um, just this profound sense of insecurity and even panic. And how we react to this situation is very important. You know, we, we are believers in Jesus Christ. We are spiritual warriors. We are people of the Word of God. We are people who live within the promises of the Word of God. And therefore, our reaction to crisis cannot be the same as the people who don't know the Lord. We need to react in a different way. We need to tell ourselves, I am a member of the kingdom of God. I have a God who always watches over me. I have a God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have a God who says that I am more precious to him than nations. He, he's a God who says that I will give the life of nations for you, as he says to Israel. And therefore, in, in, in this capacity that we have as children of God, as precious to the Father, we cannot be reacting in fear and in panic. I know that we will feel those things, but we do have uh, the, the capacity to say, you know what, I'm not going to succumb to panic. And that's when we decide to shift the program in a different way, to turn our face to the Lord to remind ourselves of the promises of God. 
In, the, in, this whole, in this whole process, I have been struggling because, you know, I, I, want, to, I want to be empathetic. I want to uh, be obedient to the authorities, and, and I, I don't want to be overly enthusiastic or overly uh, confident. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's a, such a sense of the presence of God that I feel in my own life. And such a confidence in this great God that I have who has extricated me from so many situations in the past that seemed uh, hopeless, that I have a hard time panicking. I have a hard time fearing. And I have to force myself to be careful. I have to force myself to, you know, do all these institutional diligence um, that we're supposed to do as uh, leaders of a congregation. Because just my, I know that in the midst of all my concerns about finances and about, uh, you know, the future of the church and this world that we are in right now and what it's going through, even above that, beyond that, I have this, this presence of God that is in my life, this faithful God who has promised to be with me every day until the end of time. And that, in, that gives to me a certain, a, certain kind, a certain kind of confidence. And I invite you, and during this time, to do that. I invite you to set your face toward the Lord. How do you do that? You do that by remaining in the Word, by reading the Word. I encourage you during these times, stay in the Word. Read passages such as this one. Don't, don't read the book of Revelation. This is not the time to read about, you know, the plagues and so on. You know, read uh, the, the uh, gospel according to John. Read uh, Mark that has so many passages about healing, about Jesus, you know, uh, defeating the principalities and the powers, resurrecting the dead, promising his presence. Let your word, let, let the word of God configure your mind. Stay on the word. Pray. Prayer is such an important thing as well. When you pray, you turn your face toward God. When you pray, you turn your face away from the storm and you turn it toward the Lord. When you pray, you are invoking the, the intervention of God in your life. You're telling yourself as well as God, my trust is in Him. You are declaring the goodness of God. When you pray, you are all of a sudden... Um, moving on your behalf the power of heaven. Also praise, praise the Lord. You know, take time to sing a chorus of praise. Take time to listen to some praise music on the internet. Um, take time to listen to that favorite Christian artist and focus your mind on that because praise also, you know, just it moves the power of God on your behalf. So instead of looking at the storm, instead of reading the news, you know, we can become obsessively Focused on the news in this time. And, uh, you know, having access to the news and having access to so much information is a blessing in many ways. But, you know, in other ways, it has a very distorting effect. Because we're watching this whole process, you know, play by play. We are turning to the news obsessively. We are, you know, reading the different... Um, reflections and, and opinions and speculations of all kinds of people. And what, what, what happens with that? There's a tendency for us to become then anxious. So I would say instead of reading all that news and being glued to the television, glue yourself to the truth of the Spirit. Glue yourself to the promises of God. And by the way, I would counsel us not to fall 
prey to all the conspiracy theories that are there. I will say this carefully, you know. Um, but this is really important because I have heard a lot of people, you know, speculating about what is going on. And yes, I know we live in a very sinister world, and I wouldn't put it above, you know, the, uh, the systems of this world right now for, you know, yeah, let's say for a moment that this was not naturally generated. Um, but, you know, I, I cannot be obsessing too much about that. You know, all these conspiracy theories that we read in the Internet, I would suggest, you know, really don't, don't pay attention to that. You know, this, this is not the only virus that has, uh, you know, ravaged mankind. And actually, this is, when you compare it to some of the other crises that we have faced uh, in the past, this is really, you know, um, in a way, you know, this is almost uh, tame compared to some of the things that have happened in the past. Did you know that in, in, uh, during the Middle Ages, the Black Plague destroyed one-third of the population of uh, Europe? I mean, you're talking, you're talking about millions then, and now it would be probably 10, 10 times, five times as much proportionately. The Black Plague was something so nightmarish that it changed the configuration of Europe for decades and decades and decades, even perhaps centuries. Whole villages and, and cities were completely decimated. And millions of uh, people perished under the Black Plague. People were clear and sure that this was uh, the apocalypse. Proportionately, it was 100 times probably more terrible than anything that we have experienced so far here during the coronavirus. In the 1918 Spanish flu crisis, I think it was like 50 million people who died. Can you say 50 million people? And, um, you know, that, the, the, that, was, that was a pandemic on like anything that you can imagine. That was 100 years ago. And uh, you can imagine that many people without all the systems that we now have of uh, healthcare and so on and so forth, all the technology, you know, that taking place. And then we've had the H1N1, I think it is, or N1H1 virus. We have MERS. We have SARS. Um, we had the Y2K. How many remember Y2K? And how we thought that the world was coming to an end. You remember? Um, really, people were, again, uh, conceiving all kinds of doomsday scenarios. And then it passed without anything happening. I'm saying this. I'm, I'm saying that not that we do not take this seriously, but that we also take it with a grain of salt and that we not obsess over it. There's a balance that we need to keep um, in this whole situation. I think, you know, secretly some of us do want huge disaster to take place. We would be disappointed if it didn't because somehow we want to, to see our doomsday scenarios and our prophecies sort of come uh, to fruition. And we got we to gotta escape that. Remember, I'm still on this point of um, not obsessing over the Internet, not obsessing taking all of this in balance. Yes, you need to be careful. Yes, this may change the, uh, the civilization for the future. This may prove to be something more serious than we are even aware of now. But at the same time, be careful because there's a lot of crazy specu speculation about it. You know, one of the members of the, of the, of the congregation sent, me, uh, sent my wife a, uh, a video 
about uh, Oprah Winfrey and uh, Bill Gates and others, all these big uh, uh, Bezos, Jeff Bezos, meeting in somewhere in uh, New York City to, to try to make the virus worse so that more people would be killed and the population would be more controlled. Crazy stuff like that. You know, so uh, we need to be careful about that as well, okay? As we consume technology and we consume all the news, let us also engage in a good amount of prudence and um, not let this thing just overwhelm us um, because it is easy to become very panicky and we need to turn our face to the Lord. You know, there was a process. There was a process as well that was involved in all of this here. God was up to something in allowing these disciples to go through this situation. It's really important to understand that as well. You know, uh, I, I am convinced that Jesus himself engineered this crisis or allowed it to happen to teach his disciples a lesson. There are two stories that talk about a storm in the, in the sea with the disciples and Jesus involved. There's another story that speaks about Jesus telling the disciples, go to the other shore by themselves without him being in the boat. And again, another storm breaks out in the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is praying for them up there in one of the mountains that are nearby. And then it says that in the early morning of the early uh, hours of the morning at dawn, when they have been struggling the whole night trying to get out of these currents and they're not able to, Jesus comes walking on top of the water and draws near uh, to them uh, as well. And I've always believed that in that story as well, Jesus was allowing them to find themselves in this situation to show his power, to show his divinity, to show his uh, dominion over the waves and over the storms of life as a whole. And I believe that Jesus personally, I believe that Jesus was there. He probably was asleep, but he may not have been asleep. And either interpretation is wonderful. But I think the fact is that the storm did not catch Jesus by surprise. He had a purpose in that. He wanted to teach them a lesson. And, um, you know, in this type of situation that we are facing, we must understand that God has not been taken by surprise. He's allowing this situation for a reason as well. And we will talk a little bit about some of the results, you know, of that experience of, of the disciples but I want to suggest to you that, uh, as the Bible says, in the life of a believer, in the life of anyone who loves the Lord, there is no coincidence. Nothing happens just uh, by coincidence. There is always a purpose. There is always a reason. The Bible says that to those who love God, all things work out for good. And I believe that in this, uh, in this situation that we are facing now, God is taking the nations and, and using this situation to, again, show the nations how frail they are, how they need God, how all the money that we have and all the technology and all the sufficiency in the, our toys that we have invented is not enough to keep us from harm, that we should not fall in love with our possessions, that we should not even value our life too much, that we should hold our life lightly, that our trust needs to be in the Lord, that our priorities need to be in God, that as the Bible says, whether we live or we die, we belong to Him. There are extraordinary lessons that we can gain from this experience. And I suggest to you that you ask yourself, God, what are you trying to teach me? 
through this uh, experience? How can I use this experience to grow spiritually? What is this process that you are putting me through? And how can, how can I gain maximum benefit from it? I've been asking myself that question lately. And I tell you, I'm excited. Sam said earlier that, you know, he was excited. It's not that we're masochists, that we love to suffer. But I've always learned that, you know, uh, God allows crises in my life when he wants to take me to a higher level, to a deeper level. And that how I react to a crisis is going to determine whether that crisis will swamp me and cast me into the depths of the sea or will lift me up and bring me to a higher level of understanding. And it all depends on how you look at what God is doing. Yes, there is an element of judgment here, but there's also an element of great opportunity for us to grow. I know as a congregation, you know, I'm excited about um, becoming better at uh, doing a, a, a live service over the internet and becoming more, you know, adept at using technology as a church, getting more connected, being able to reach the people of the congregation and, and send messages about what's happening at the church and so on and so forth. Use Facebook more advantageously, YouTube and so on and so forth. This is a great opportunity for us as a church to grow technologically. It's a great opportunity also for us to kind of wean ourselves from dependency on being in a service like this in, in, a, in a temple and to learn, you know, how to do a service at home. What if, you know, we always talk about possible persecutions in the future of the church. What if there's a persecution someday of the, of the church? We cannot depend on just meeting in, in uh, situations like this. The people in China are dependent on house churches because they have a government that persecutes them. And so this may be a great opportunity for us to practice as well as a congregation. How do we do church out of uh, the context of, uh, you know, a regular physical service? And, uh, you know, the stresses of uh, finances and so on. How do we make the congregation more able to give um, technologically through the internet? How can I become a more faithful steward? How can I take my money, reserve it, and know that even whether I'm in church or not, doesn't matter. That money belongs to the Lord. I'll set it aside. I'll bring it to the church sometime. And, you know, I'll give it. That money was never mine anyway. Okay? How can we maybe begin small groups, uh, you know, in our neighborhood? Those of you who are watching us over the Internet, you know, if we continue through this time, maybe, you know, what you can do on a Sunday morning, if you're not coming here to the church, invite uh, other members of the church that are in your neighborhood. And have a little party at home. You know, you can watch YouTube through your television. Just get the app in your smart TV and watch, you know, watch the service through a much larger screen. And then you can have four or five families come together at your home. Let them bring some food. And then after the service, you can have your own Lord's Supper and, and have a, your own koinonia by eating together and praying to the Lord together. And we could start maybe small groups all over the city that way. You know, that's one thing that we can learn from this. How can I learn not to fall in love with my money and uh, with my job? You know, this, this, this is going to help us about, you know, about that. Uh, I, you, we have to learn to be less dependent on the security of a big, uh, you know, savings account and so on. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord. He's our, he's our maker. He is our lover. He is our provider. You know, God will never fail you. He will never forsake you. We say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, what does that mean? That means that he will, you will not die of hunger, my brother, my sister. God will provide 
somehow. I grew up in a very poor home back in the Dominican Republic. And I'm telling you, in, in our nations, in the third world, we know what poverty can be. And yet, God never left us one moment. We're always able to eat. Somehow, God always provided until he brought us here to the United States, and then we were able to live a different lifestyle. Praise the Lord for this nation. But, um, you know, God is our provider. And the Bible says that we should not love money. The Bible says that, you know, if we have food and clothing, we should be happy with that. And ultimately, that's all that you need, you know. So we're going to have to learn to make some very modest meals if, that's, if, that, if, if that becomes a possibility. Well, praise God, we'll lose some weight. We'll be leaner and meaner. Amen. Why not? You've been fighting to get into a good diet. This may be the opportunity to do that. You know, really, this, this dependence that we have on, you know, just stuffing ourselves and having our shelves full of food and so on and so forth, you know, there's a good opportunity for us to visualize what so much of the world lives like, and, and to grow less, de- uh, less attached to all these material things. I, I know that with a little sandwich, I can be happy, and I can go on, you know, very well. We have to learn to live that way, more modestly in our life. And this, this situation, how we react to it, you know, and, and um, being able to detach ourselves, wean ourselves from material things, this is really important. So all that I'm saying is that how we react to this uh, situation and how we go through this process that God is taking us through can really determine how much it, uh, it will yield. You know, one other thing that I think we can uh, learn from this process is to see, um, you know, the, the, just the, the divinity of Christ, the power of Christ, as opposed to our, again, our frailty. Jesus, he rises, he wakes up in reaction to the, the clamor of his uh, disciples. And with, one, with a couple of words, be still, quiet. He calms the stormy sea. Such is his power. They were able to experience, if they, if they hadn't gone through this crisis, they wouldn't have been able to experience something magnificent and unique, which was to see the divinity of Christ, to see his absolute power over nature. One thing is to heal a person who is sick. Another thing is to speak to a storm and to, you know, make it be still. And so they were treated at that moment to one of the most amazing spectacles, which is that absolute power, that absolute divinity of Jesus Christ, which they would not have experienced if they hadn't gone through that crisis. So I think that's a, I, I, I would probably be willing to go through a few minutes of terror to experience Christ in the way that these people experienced him. And you know, sometimes the, the, the difficulties of life, there are great opportunities for us to see God manifest himself in extraordinary sorts of ways. I'm really curious to see how God is going to come through in the next few weeks for Lion of Judah, for my family in the church, for all the challenges that we are facing. And I can tell you, my brothers and sisters, really in, in my better moments, there's no doubt in my mind that we will come through this with flying colors, okay? Or it's a shining colors, whatever it is. You know, God will always find a solution in, in the most extraordinary ways. We will see him um, prove himself to be faithful. But we need a crisis for that. You know, God sometimes engineers object lessons for us. Situations where we find ourselves like the disciples 
in the storm, and we have to appeal to him. It takes longer than we expected. We're allowed to just stew in our own juices for a while. And then God says, hey, what, what are you so concerned about? I had the solution all along. This is always under my control. I believe that this is such a time as this. You know, the, the storm may take longer than we want it to. But God has a solution. God has a, a plan. This has not taken him by surprise. When this is passed, we will open our doors again freely. We will rejoice. We will celebrate uh, the Lord's faithfulness. And so I invite you to use this crisis as a great opportunity to grow, to understand our own frailty, to wean ourselves from material possessions, to trust in the Lord more, to know that he is sovereign over the nations, and to use this opportunity as a stepping stone to greater growth. So don't let crises uh, fill you with panic or fear. React in a way that is dignified, that behooves a follower of Jesus Christ. Do not succumb to panic or fear. Submit yourself to the processes of God. God is a sublime teacher. He concocts all kinds of situations for a reason. He has a purpose in all that, all that is happening here right now in the world. There is a purpose. There is design behind it. This is not some sort of expression of chaos in the universe of an indifferent God. No, there is a presence in the midst of all of this. And there is a process that God is putting together and leading us. He's teaching us things. He's teaching the nations. This is a great opportunity to have a great harvest. And there is always a solution. There is a solution in this situation. Our great God, Jesus Christ. He's in the boat. Therefore, you cannot drown. Jesus is in your life, okay? Therefore, you will not, we will not drown. We will overcome. Amen? Let us stand. And... Um, let us ask the Lord to instill in us one of these truths that we have uh, discussed this morning. And uh, let us believe that this God who we have in our midst will be more than faithful. Father, you are in our boat. Therefore, we cannot drown. You are in our boat, therefore we will not be overcome. We will not perish. You are in our boat, therefore great lessons are to be learned from this experience. You are in our boat, and therefore there is a solution to what we are experiencing. You are in our boat, and there is enough power to carry us through any challenge, any difficulty that we might face. You are in our boat, and we know that there is a purpose that you are carrying out. And what we are experiencing in the light of the solution that you already have is not truly a crisis. It is merely an opportunity. And I pray that this morning, this extreme sense of your faithfulness and your presence will overcome my brothers and sisters. And that you will dispel any fear, any uncertainty, any panic that we might feel. And that we will be so overcome with the image of this powerful divine Christ that we serve and that is with us, that the storm will seem absolutely puny, minor, not worthy of even being considered. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding 
be with each of us and with all of those that are watching us over the internet fill their homes also with your presence Father until we meet again Lord until we are able to worship you together again as a full-fledged congregation thank you for the peace that we feel this morning and thank you for your word and thank you for the worship that we have experienced you are our provider and we declare you as such so lead us from here in perfect peace we pray these things in the powerful overcoming name of Jesus Christ amen and amen God bless you my brothers and sisters this morning